Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. set of underwear because today we're jumping into r slash let's not meet so give yourself a second to bring up the courage and then come with me as we jump in oh and don't forget team popcorn just in case we have a good rather than terrifying time but whatever flavor of terrifying it is i'm sure it's probably terrifying so let's get stuck in This is a story that I'm always aching to get off my chest, and I think this is somewhere to post it under some anonymity. To start, I'm a teenage female. I had my own apartment for the first time, having recently moved to a new city to study. I quickly made friends with a group of fun but somewhat troubled teenagers that spent their days loitering at a local coffee shop. One girl I met in particular is who this story is about. I instantly felt a strong sense of caring about her. She's sweet, bubbly, and the moment I met her remains one of my favorite and most clear memories of her. This girl tells me of a man named Mike, who is like a father to her, her words. He wants to adopt her. Let's note, this girl doesn't have an ideal family. Her real father's in jail and she has a very low self-esteem as he just doesn't give her the care she deserves. I soon met him and right away I thought he was great. I was being so naive. He was a scary looking biker in his 50s, had some awesome tattoos, told stories of great experiences, travel and seemed quite educated. I thought it was so mature and didn't think it was odd that we quickly became good friends, as the girl previously mentioned felt safe with him and we both cared for her. We would drive around, talk about everything. I went to him crying and he made me feel better within a few hours when the boy I was dating cheated on and then dumped me. I felt powerful having a friend like him. His favorite subject was the girl. He'd met her a couple of years prior by chance at this coffee shop. She looked exactly like his eldest daughter had at her age. He told me that two years prior, his oldest daughter, out of three, had committed suicide. The girl had filled a void. I felt for him, and I understood. A few months pass, and the girl is staying with him. She's soon to be the legal adoption age, when she can choose to be adopted by him and he's getting more and more excited. Alongside her, I am the person who's closest to him, 
We spend time talking on the phone, visiting. I sleep at his house. I hang out with a girl and am teaching her how to drive. Mike was like a father to me in this new town. He watches out for me. He tells me I'm important to him like the girl is. He would do anything for me. Some of the things he does for me include letting me leave a project car in his yard, buying parts for it and helping me work on it, and aggressively confronting a boy who took advantage of me while I was intoxicated. Sorry for this huge setup, but it needs to be understood that I trust and look up to Mike with everything I have. Six months after meeting him, this girl turns of age to be adopted. I'm now staying in a nearby town, not seeing them as much, but still visiting on weekends. I get a call, and he is thrilled to tell me she has asked to be adopted by him, and he wants to have a big party. I'm excited and congratulate him. The last time I saw the girl was a few days before this, and just as our first meeting is vivid in my memory, so is our last goodbye. A few days later, I hear she's been reported missing, and Mike is gone, ignoring my texts and eventually deleting his social media. Everyone is in a panic. The girl is adored by everyone and is as innocent as they come. This is the start of two months of major anxiety and guilt and hurt that Mike had left me. I thought he was there for me. For some reason, I still don't think he would do anything to hurt her. He loved her and protected her. Until a couple of weeks later on Facebook, I see a comment on one of the articles. The police are now searching for Mike, wanting to question him, although he's not a suspect. A girl has commented, I am Mike's daughter. Can someone please get me in touch with the family immediately? He is dangerous. I do not believe she is safe with him. What the fuck? I messaged her right away, gave her the girl's grandmother's number, and asked her what she means by, he's dangerous. As we talk, I learn about a few things. He never had three daughters, only two. This girl I'm talking to is the oldest. When she was a child, he abused her. And the girl who I care about so much is a spitting image of his real daughter when she was a teenager. They had a falling out two years prior, the time of his oldest daughter's suicide. I also learned that the girl certainly had not wanted to be adopted. She had thought this was too much, however. She was being groomed and enjoyed the gifts. Someone who would give her whatever she wanted. A father figure while hers was not around. I suddenly am thinking about all of the red flags. How could I have been so stupid? He talked about his time in the Angels. He'd put a man in the hospital shortly before I met him after a bar argument. He spent his days hanging around this coffee shop with teenagers. I have experiences with creepy and dangerous men of all ages. He totally fooled me. I think of the times he told me he cared about me as he did her. The times he picked me up drunk from parties, drank at my house, I slept at his. Never once did he do or say anything inappropriate, but he'd always been overly protective. The police and news reporters are calling me almost daily, asking me what I know about him, asking for all these details. I just ignore the reporters, fearing he will see me on TV. He is eventually found, questioned and released 
Not a suspect. He disappeared again and I never spoke with him. Two months after this lovely girl goes missing, her body is found. It's deemed a homicide. This was one year ago. There are no leads and no other info released by police. I've not heard from Mike. There have been many crazy theories since then. Lots of speculation. I don't want to believe he did it, and he's not been arrested or made a suspect. But everyone thinks that he is very likely. He lied about many, many things. I learned the truth from his real daughter and can't possibly include all of it here. I wonder where he is. I wonder if one day I'll be minding my business and he'll appear. Something in me still doesn't believe he could hurt me. Something else wonders, could it have been my body that was found? But the worst part is the tremendous guilt I feel. I was with him all the time. I spent time with these two. Why didn't I intervene? I'm so, so sorry. So, old man, let's not meet again. Although I do miss you. Talk about internal conflict. Yeah, that's a pretty heavy one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our next one is from Science Musk. I was almost kidnapped by the cartel. I'm writing this as a memoir of what happened while it's still fresh in my mind and to share it with all the amazing people here on r slash let's not meet. This happened one year and two days ago. It was the day I never expected to come. It changed my life in so many ways that I still feel like I cannot digest it. I want to start saying a little bit about myself so you understand the context and why it was so weird and foreign for something like this to happen to me. I'm a fairly geeky guy. I love science fiction and video games. I worked at the time as a design engineer in a factory and spent most of my weekends with friends hiking, playing board games or watching movies. So you realize nothing I did would attract the attention of the cartels. I do not have a lot of money, I just live a lower middle class type of life here in Mexico. But the real issue was my sister, who had a high ranking position in the public security area of politics. That's the reason I was targeted. It was a Tuesday early morning, I was on my way to work, which started at 6am. 
I remember that day I took my dad's SUV. I had a small sedan because they were away on vacation and I was supposed to pick them up at the airport after work that day. I lived about half an hour away from my work, so I left at about 5.25 every morning. When I was leaving, I saw a pretty shady SUV parked like a block away from my house. And honestly, after my sister took a job, I was more aware about things that I saw out of place. I felt a little bit paranoid because weeks before it happened, I felt like someone was following me. So yeah, I passed this SUV and saw a guy on the driver's seat with a baseball cap. I stopped for a bit, looked him straight in the eye. He just looked down and covered his face. I honestly didn't think too much of it. My family had been telling me weeks prior that I was just overreacting and no one was following me. So I thought it was just some random guy waiting for someone. I took off to work. And for me to get there, I have to go through a really ugly neighborhood, which is poorly lit and has a really bad reputation. I was in a two-lane street that's only one way. I was in the right lane at the time and saw a Jeep Cherokee just speed by me on the left and then continue its way in front of me. When we arrived at the end of the street, I had to turn right to get to work and the Cherokee just completely stopped on the right lane in front of me with their blinkers signaling to the left. I found that kind of weird, but I didn't want to be an arsehole and honk at them and wanted to give them a few seconds to move. While I was waiting, a freaking explorer came screeching on the left lane. It stopped next to me and four guys came out with guns, one with a baseball bat. The guy with the bat smashed my window and hit me in the face while another put a gun to my head and said, Esto es verdad, pendejo. Bajito del carro. Translates to this is real, asshole. Get out of the car. So please understand that at the moment, I did not feel like they wanted to steal my car. I already knew they were trying to kidnap me. If I knew they just wanted the car, I would have given the car to them. But I pieced everything together. The cars that I felt were following me at night every day, the guy just sitting in the SUV outside of my place, and obviously my sister's job. I knew that if they took me, it would be torture followed by certain death, and if they really wanted to kidnap me, they would not kill me. So I stepped on the gas. I smashed between the Cherokee and the Explorer and ran over one of the guys. I fucking sped as much as the SUV would give me and honked so I could make a lot of noise and people would notice. My hope was to get to my workplace which had private security and call my sister so she could mobilize the police. With all the adrenaline on me, I passed the entrance to my work and tried to turn back, but I crashed on a corner. At that moment, I honestly felt like my heart would come out of my mouth. Everything moved so slow, so I tried to calm myself down. I breathed, saw through my mirrors if they were following me, and I saw no one. An empty street that was already lit by the morning dusk. The SUV was still working. I turned around, got to my work, yelled at the security guards to open the doors. I parked at the entrance, got out of the car, and called my sister. After that, I went inside and talked to my boss about what had happened, and went to the restroom to clean the glass and blood out of my hair. When I came out of the restroom and out to the parking lot, there were about 10 cop cars outside my workplace. My sister had already told me to speak with a specific police officer and confirm his name. 
Everything went smoothly, and I felt safe and protected. After that, I moved into my sister's house, which has police guarding it. I have bodyguards that are with me every time I go out. This has cost me my job, relationships, lifelong friendships. Everyone's afraid to hang out with you when they know you're the target for the cartels. And it's understandable, but it does not make it feel any less shitty. Investigations continued through the beginning of 2017. I later found out through security camera footage that there were three SUVs in total with about 12 people trying to kidnap me. I found out that the cartel that was after me was one of the most powerful cartels in the world, and that the person who was in charge of investigating my case was killed. So right now, I'm working for the Mexican government. It's a low-profile job which does not pay much and does not attract too much attention. I've looked for ways to leave the country, but I don't have enough money or qualifications. I'm a college dropout. I'm still living with my sister, with people protecting me and my family 24 hours a day and the guys who tried to kidnap me are still at large. I'm trying to make the best of this situation. I've lost a lot of weight. I spent more time with my nephews and recently got into a steady relationship. But honestly, I'm always on edge and feel like I'm in imminent danger. So to the guys who tried to kidnap me, let's not meet. Our next story is from Babby Zombie. Bicycle Boy Hello all, I'm a constant lurker over here, first time posting in Let's Not Meet. Here's the story of how I met the freaking mayor of Nopeville. Several years ago, I was in a bit of a pickle. I was 21, with shitty job history, shitty credit, shitty job, you know, like most 21 year olds. My living situation went sideways and I temporarily moved back home with my folks. As anyone who has ever had to move back home as an adult will tell you, this was terrible. Horrible situation and I was in a rush to get back out on my own. Which is why when my best friend, similar position in life at the time, told me that an apartment had opened up at her shady ass complex, I actually jumped at it. If you're from around here, then you'll know that every apartment complex in that town is kind of shadister. But for those of you not from here, this place is a shady non-town outside of another non-town with more liquor stores than any other establishment, and several apartment complexes with no credit checks and same-day move-ins. A couple months went by, and while cops did occasionally show up in our parking lot and you had to watch your step for more than one broken bottle, it wasn't the worst place to live. I worked the night shift at a large retailer, shuffling around freight in the back, hating every minute of every shift. So one night, while I trudged up and down a ladder like a zombie at work, my cell phone fell out of my back pocket at the top of the ladder. I grabbed at it, obviously missing, and died a little as I saw it smack the ground and go black. No amount of restarting or shaking could fix it, the LCD was completely shot. Fucking fuck fuck fuckity fuck, I thought to myself, and decided this was a good enough reason to go home mid-shift. Remember that thing I said about shitty job history? Yeah, you can clearly see why. Driving home at 3am some random weekday, night shifters know how weird it is keeping track of actual days of the week. 
I turned on to the dark back road that led to my apartment building. I saw something faintly up ahead in the road and immediately think it's someone's dog. I pulled up slower, praying that I wasn't coming up on someone's dead pet, and saw that there was actually a teenage boy lying on the side of the road waving. There was a bike lying in the dirt next to him. Holy shit! The kid saw me and jumped up, weaving towards the driver's side of my car. Now, I may have made a lot of poor decisions at this point in my life, but thankfully I hadn't gone completely brain dead. I suddenly thought of all the warnings to young women about how serial killers and rapists would lure girls in by playing to their kind hearts. I locked the car doors, but cracked the driver's side window. Are you okay? What happened? Let me get some help. I got hit by a car. They fucking left me. I need help. The kid looked dazed and was scuffed up, but something about him also set my nerves on edge. I'm gonna call for help, okay? I grabbed my cell phone and then remember the thing was practically fucking useless. Oh, my cell phone's broke, but I live nearby here, okay? I'll get help. I hoped he didn't think I was lying, but then I didn't care. The kid slammed his hand against my car. Just let me in. I need help now. I, I promise I'll get help and come back. Everything will be okay. I felt torn. I wasn't going to let this kid into my car, but at the same time, I couldn't blame him. If I was scared and hurt, I would probably be frantic too. The kid slammed his hand against the car and I started driving. I hadn't been exaggerating. It was 30 seconds drive to my apartment. I didn't have a landline and I didn't want to somehow lead this kid to an empty apartment with no way of calling for help. I saw my best friend's boyfriend car parked in her spot and immediately was thankful for the stroke of luck. I ran up the steps to her apartment and began banging on the door. Roy answered the door, probably expecting a crazy person, and was immediately alarmed to see me. What's going on? Why aren't you at work? I breathlessly explained that some kid had been hit by a car off the back road, but my cell wasn't working and that I needed him to come back with me. Melanie, my best friend, emerged from her room, sleepy and equally confused. Roy immediately took charge, told us both to get into the car, and drove us back to the boy. The kid was still there, waving us down. Roy, a large man, Mel and myself all got out of the car. Help! Help! I need help! I'm here to help. My friend saw you and came to get me, okay? Calm down. I got jumped by this gang man. They beat me up and stole my backpack and rode off. The kid said frantically. I immediately became alarmed. That is not what he told me at all. I looked at Mel, my face clouding over. I thought you got hit by a car. Why did the gang jump you? Wait, yeah, they beat me up and then someone hit me with a car. Plausible. I was still confused though. Roy also seemed wary of this change in story. Listen, man. Let me call you an ambulance, okay? Can you tell me your name? The kid lost his shit. He screwed his face up and just clenched his fists, hitting the side of his head. No, 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 no! Just let me in the car, man! Just take me to your house! Roy was done. That's not happening, kid. I'll call an ambulance and the police, and I can wait with you till they get here, but we can't bring you back with us. The kid slapped the side of his head some more, and then in the most disturbing thing I've ever seen, grabbed fistfuls of his shaggy hair and began pulling it out of his scalp. That sound 
is still the most disgusting and alarming thing I've ever heard. Roy gave Mel and I get the fuck out of here face and we jumped back into the car. I'm calling the police, okay? I'll tell them you've been hurt and you need an ambulance. Roy began dialing and the kid began stomping around and screaming. Take me to your house! Just let me get in the car! Why won't you just take me home? Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you! The kid stood in the street, blood trickling from where he'd torn up his scalp. Roy got back in the driver's seat and spoke with the cops as the kid raged outside. He then came to the window, staring so intently at us that I felt like my skin had shriveled up and fallen off. He began kicking the tires, and Roy, clearly fucking over it, drove off, the kid grabbing frantically at the back of the car. Roy drove past our turn, around Peter's Creek twice to avoid leading the kid to the apartment complex, and then back down our road. The kid was gone. The bike, the kid, just gone. No idea where to. Clumps of hair, still on the road. We never saw the kid again. We searched the papers and internet to see if he'd been picked up or if any other strange things had taken place that night. But nothing else ever showed up. What confuses me still about it is why he would demand to come back with all three of us. One person could obviously be easily overtaken, but what the hell was his plans with three of us? Alright ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being here, thank you so much for listening, I hope you enjoyed this one, it's been fantastic as always, and as always, can't wait to see you in the next one. Until then guys, peace out, take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.